3693. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. Day by day. Greetings, good morning, welcome to today's Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. I'm going to begin today in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, he came to his own, he came to his own, and his own rejected him. He was the Messiah of Israel, the Messiah that was promised that would come through the seed of David. And he was rejected. The world rejected him. His own people rejected him. He was the heir of all things. Now, through faith in Christ, we have become his sons. And we are heirs. As sons, we have become heirs of all that Christ as God 
has promised mankind. We are heirs. We who are believers, initially, when the believers in an upper room or in a room on the day of resurrection, Christ, after his ascension, in the early in the morning, he returned, he breathed into this group of people his Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Spirit, my Spirit. And they become they became the sons of God at that time, the heirs. And all who have believed on Christ from that point to the present are heirs. We are going to inherit and have been promised everything that Christ had promised his children. We are going to inherit uh, a coming. We have inherited a kingdom, an eternal kingdom, which cannot be shaken. And we are going to inherit the kingdom that is coming. We will be rulers in that kingdom. So we are not just God's brothers, Christ's brothers, or the children of God, but we're heirs also. But as heirs, we have to be trained during our lifetime as we're while we're alive to rule, to reign. We are priests. We are from the lineage of the royal priesthood that came through Jesus Christ. There is a priesthood in Israel. There's always been a priesthood with the children of Israel. But we, because we have Christ in us, we are a royal priesthood. And the duties of the priest, which we all, when we receive Christ, we become priests. We are to bring God and the knowledge of God to man. And we are to, through prayer, bring man into the hands of God, into his presence. So through our prayers, we bring those who may not be believers to God and pray for their salvation. I have uh, decided as heirs in the kingdom of heaven, we have been commissioned to preach the kingdom of heaven. We are to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are to present to the world. Even 2,000 years ago, they were presenting a kingdom that was coming. A kingdom that was that would bring the reality of who God is into this world not just in knowledge and understanding, but in power. And this is why on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers in Jerusalem and empowered them 
with the power of the Holy Spirit without for labor so they could labor and be successful so that they could they would have the power to engage with the demonic satanic world like Christ in all of his examples when he would cast spirits out when he would cast a spirit out and people would be healed in power and through through the last 2000 years the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been available at all times to God's children. And at the time and, and now in the time in which we live, these gifts, these supernatural gifts of power are the most vital because uh, there are many scriptures that present to the Christians that in the time prior to Christ's second coming, the demonic activity upon the earth would reach a level never known to mankind through history. And even to the point where in the book of Revelation, the earth will open up and smoke will come out of the earth. Well, these are the demons that will come out of hell for the final battle against Christ before his return and right about the time of death, late in the battle, right before Armageddon, the demonic activity is increasing daily and Fortunately, there are in the body of Christ, globally, in, and uh, even in America, Christians that are more aware of the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I have, uh, upon becoming a believer, I didn't have an understanding of the scripture until about two and a half years after my conversion that I, the Lord in his sovereignty would uh, position me in Berkeley, California with a small group of very, very Bible-based, doctrinally-based, theology-based, believers and that was is where my church churching my instruction the time of instruction would begin but with the group I was with for four years they didn't emphasize the gifts of the Holy Spirit the emphasis was was on abiding in the vine abiding in Christ drawing the riches all that Christ is through the Holy Spirit drawing those riches and experiencing all the deep riches that Christ gives us through his spirit, denying the flesh, uh, denying self, uh, the attributes in 
I think, chapter 5 of Galatians. The, um, I'm trying to think of the word. The, um, oh boy, okay, I'm trying to think of how, there's one word I'm looking for and it's eluding me. But, um, virtues, the virtues of Christ, you know, being long-suffering, everything that Paul mentions in those verses, in opposition to, as opposed to what Paul talks about, the deeds of the flesh, hatred, unforgiveness, thoughts of murder, these things. So for four years, we were trained, taught, all of the deep disciplines of the, of, the, of the Christian life, denying the self, the toughest one. Selfishness, another work of the flesh. We were, we were through having an experience with the Holy Spirit you, he will, he will deal with, he will uh, work with you and reveal to you how selfish you are, how self-centered you are, how arrogant we can be, how uh, unthankful, all of the negative things of our, of our personality, of our soul, of our mind, emotion, and will. After, and I was in, I was being churched in that principle because we all need to be churched. And churching doesn't mean just dressing up nice, going to an assembly and sitting. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying finding a place where there is sound teachings of the scripture, sound teachings of the of the of what Christ during his time uh, three three and a half years his instruction to the disciples that instruction is what was vital in the in the gospels and then with Paul's Paul's writings and Peter's writings James Timothy with those that would write uh, Titus I mean and uh, Jude then the Old Testament, don't, don't exclude the pre-Christ instructions through Moses and the prophets. They're vital. And at a, a point, after about five years, the Lord sovereignly, because uh, I, I was married, my first child was born, and we were having a hard time financially. And my heart was to continue with the fellowship, with the, the group of Christians that I was very, um, we were very a very tight group of, of Christian people serving the Lord. But through God's sovereign hand, I was forced to move to Western Wyoming to make a living to provide for my wife and children. And so 
need forced me out of the fellowship. And I was resentful at first. I didn't understand why, you know, I couldn't get a, a, a adequate work here in Colorado. It was winter time. I was working on the oil rigs. But even then, uh, we'd finished drilling, and I'd have to try to find work on another rig. And it was very difficult. And uh, so through financial hardship, the Lord used that to force me to move to western Wyoming. We lived with my in-laws, which was really, to me, it was like uh, kind of a shame. But we prayed, prayed, and prayed, and the Lord began to open doors. And eventually, I got on with uh, uh, Peter Kiewit. We, Peter Kiewit, they big, uh, build highways all over the country and got on with them. And that was a great job driving a, an 18-wheeler. But that was only, but the Lord in his sovereignty was just going to, that was going to be just a short little kind of a short period, just, just a few months I worked with them. Eventually I would end up working in one of the mines in western Wyoming. And God in his sovereignty, we don't know what he's going to do. Everything is going one direction today, and the next day it's changed. So finally, after wondering why would I leave the fellowship that I was so, I mean, uh, I loved the fellowship, I loved the believers we were with, uh, but God had another plan. The plan was that the Lord and all of us are going to have this experience at some point. You are going to be, you might say, forced to go into the cold, cruel world without support of other Christians. You're going to learn, have to learn to fly on your own. And I'm going to say that because of the way things are changing in this country, many of you who are in fellowships now, things are going to change. And you're going, your Christianity and your faith is going to be tested. Things are going to change that you have no control over. And what is what you think a pillar, a foundation, something that you can lean on, is going to be shaken. And the one thing that shouldn't be shaken is your faith. But your faith is going to be tried. There's no getting around it. The Lord, what he does with his children, is he takes you from faith to faith. Your faith may be deep in the Lord now, but he's going to take you deeper. You're going to have to trust him more. You're going to have to look to him. You're not going to be able to, uh, you're, you can't depend on what is 
it appears to be very uh, solid to you presently. And in western Wyoming, eventually, I'm now I'm making, I, I, we get a job making very good money. Uh, we are able to buy a home, everything that we need. So I basically go, go in a matter of six months from homeless to we own our own home, a new vehicle, just to, to course the way things go in life. Once you have the finances, you'll gravitate to the best. I'm no different. We had a new home, a new car, uh, everything was new, appliances, everything was the best. It was a wonderful time. And I wasn't involved in a Christian fellowship because the Lord told me one day he made it very clear. I took you into the assemblies to train you, to teach you, to, I, my intention was not to keep you there, my intention was to train you so you will go out into the world and you will go where I tell you to go. You'll do what I tell you to do. Where I lead you, you'll be successful because I'll be with you. You've depended at one time on assemblies, but you're going to go where I tell you to go, do what I tell you to do, and it has come to pass. That was in 1980. 1979, 1980. And from that point forward, I have, as he has directed me, I would work with pa pastors, with assemblies, with churches. I was never a member. I was never uh, on the membership role. I assisted as the Lord would direct me and my wife also. But we always, wherever we would go, we were always fruitful. God would always direct me, and then a season would end. A new season would begin. This is what's going to happen with you. Things are going to change. What you're, you're comfortable with is going to end. You're going to be, God is going to arrange things for you. And you're going to be put into a new situation. And when you are in that new situation, it's going to be difficult to try to, uh, you may not be able to clearly understand why things have changed and what God is doing. You're going to have to pray. And then you're going to pray more and more and more. And you're going to stand. It's going to, Satan will use these things, God will allow them, and the devil will try to destroy your faith. This is the only way the devil can get the victory in the lives of the Christian people. This is the tool he uses, and it's an effective tool. Destroying your faith. We cannot please God without faith. It is impossible. As simple as that may be, 
there is no principle that is more uh, clear. There, uh, this is the, the clearest principle in the life of a Christian. We walk by faith. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. When changes come, we walk. Maybe we don't understand, but we walk by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the world in which we live presently, your world is going to be shaken. The shaking is going to come. I am prophesying to you. Each one of us will be different on one hand in our own personal lives. But on the other hand, we are, are, we are collectively as a body of Christ in this country. There are things that will happen that will affect us as a family. The children of Israel in Egypt, they were being afflicted as a people, as a family. Each had their own individual struggle, but as a family, corporately, they were being afflicted. And as a family, they had to leave Egypt for a new experience in the wilderness. The American church, the churches of America, the evangelical churches, have been wandering in a wilderness for the last 60 years, 50 years. We're wandering in a wilderness called religion, called American Christianity, American uh, apostasy is the word that I have to present to you. And now, this, all that the churches, all the evangelical churches, all that they have built upon is going to be shaken. Everything is going to be shaken. There's not going to... um, We, we are not going to be able to stop what is coming. So as a culture, there is a shaking taking place. As a society, as a culture, as a nation. But also, the Christian people, as a people, as a body of believers, we're going to be shaken. The shaking has to come. Because out of the shaking is going to come a group of people that are loyal to God himself, that are loyal to Christ. And in the shaking, there are many who are not going to make it. Now, before I went to Wyoming, before my wife and I moved we were in the, through the sovereign hand of God. We didn't. I didn't want to move, but 
We had to. And um, about four months prior to that, the pastor of the fellowship that we were part of, there was a a split with the main the main uh, assembly, and we became kind of a another group. But we we were based in Denver. And when we made a decision to go a direction that the other assemblies weren't going, it was a shock to all of the system, the group of churches throughout the country. And we were the group that actually, you might say, was the instrument that God used to test all of the other groups, assemblies throughout the country. There's probably about 15, 20 groups. And we did something that we, 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 did begin to, we didn't want to distance ourselves from the other group, but we were forced to. We had to go a different direction. And the brother that was, uh, there were a group of, of three or four men that were really instrumental in the direction we would go, one of them, we had a Saturday night get-together, and the church building that we were normally would assemble in, we were evicted. So we were meeting in the base, in the garage of, a, of a, one of the men, and the pastor that really was kind of giving us the direction we needed he said something very profound. He said, God is the mother eagle. And we are the just the baby eagles in the nest. Well, there will come a time when the eagle has to kick the young eagles out of the nest. And so before they actually test their wings, they stand on the edge of the nest and they flap and they catch a breeze and they try to lift off two or three inches and just stay close to the nest. But eventually, they are forced out. This is God. For you that are in assemblies, that have been in these assemblies for quite a while, it may be that God is going to, that's become your nest. And the Holy Spirit is deciding your future. You won't have a choice. He's sovereign. He's God. He's deciding your future. And you've been part of a fellowship for years and years and years. But something is going to change. And you're going to be forced out of that nest. Well, he said... Some, forced out of the nest, they never get their wings on the way to the ground, which is a long way. They don't, aren't able to get their balance, and they hit the ground, and they're out of business. They never recover in their Christian lives. 
their belief system, those that were responsible for their souls didn't train them correctly to fly in God, to fly in faith, and they are out of the kingdom of heaven. They may still be alive, but they're, they're not going to be any use to the kingdom of heaven. Their lives are pretty much destroyed. The second group, just before they hit the ground, they began to get their wings. They began to get air, but just a little bit too late, and they hit the ground, and they tumble and tumble and tumble, and they're pretty beat up. And it takes them out of maybe service in Christ for a year, two, three years. But eventually, they heal, they recover, and they begin to fly in the Lord once again. The third group are those that once they're out, immediately they get their, 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 their balance, they are able to catch air, and they go off into their future, and they are successful. They are uh, they do well in Christ. They never lose the momentum. Already, I'm reading about churches internationally where there are, in this country, some of the mainline churches, they are making decisions to go along with the the different trends, the, the, the devilish trends of the, of the time, LGBT, um, you know, advocating permissive in the sense of abortions, and many of the believers in these main denominations are leaving. They're going to have to fly on their own, but they're leaving and there are the others that are left in these denominations. And uh, the testing has begun. That's in the mainline churches. Now I'm going to speak more specifically to the evangelical churches, the evangelical body of believers. The testing is also coming. And as I go into today's program... There are changes in this country and realities that the Holy Spirit is now presenting to God's children in this country. And they're sitting, the, the, the children, when these thoughts are presented, the children are going to be sitting, let's say, on the edge of the nest, high on the cliff, high, up, way up. And it, the new realities that are coming to the body of Christ in this country, the evangelical churches, is going to shake the faith of many believers. It's going to shake the loyalties that many believers have had toward their pastors. But God shakes things in... Hebrews chapter 12, the things that can be shaken will be shaken. This is what God does. He shakes. 
He shakes the earth. He shakes concepts. He shakes belief systems. This is what God does. And for the sake of a healthy church, he has to shake and test everything that you believe. It's what God does. So that what can be shaken will be shaken. And what cannot be shaken, that will remain. There is a great shaking in this country, in the, in the realm of prophecy. Prophecy is being fulfilled openly every day. And the believers in this land, the evangelical Christians for the most part, do not have an idea. They don't see. They don't realize that prophecy is being fulfilled. I am going to begin in this hour, and I'm going to take my time into the next hour and the third hour if it needs to be. The podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. And um, I am going to present the prophecies about Donald Trump. I'm going to, I have talked about Donald Trump in the scripture in the past. But I have, you might say, like an airplane landing on water, you just touch down and take off. Just kind of a touch down and off. I feel now, because Donald Trump's political career is about to end, and the Christian people of this country don't know who he is. They think he's just a politician. They think he's many things. But to understand who Donald Trump is, you have to come from the perspective of the Bible. And I'm going to present to you Donald Trump, the way God presented him in the Old Testament, I don't know if I'll be able to present how, have the time to present Donald Trump from the perspective of the New Testament, but it is going to Donald Trump and the prophecies about Donald Trump as the church begins to see these prophecies. They're going to the shock factor is going to hit home because Donald Trump is in the Bible and everything that surrounds him is in the Bible too. So I'm going to begin with 1 Kings chapter 8. This is the day that King Solomon dedicated the temple. There are many insights into the day of the dedication. In this whole chapter, and it's also in Chronicles also, this account. An overview. Solomon never 
talks about a Messiah. He never presents to the children of Israel the Messiah other than presenting God the Father and his love for Israel and what he will do to protect Israel and how the children of Israel, whenever they pray toward the temple, God will hear their prayers. Solomon, I'm sorry, yes, Solomon, in this chapter, I don't know if I want to read the whole chapter, another thought is that they will be, they will, they are God's people, their Shekinah glory, the temple is the main representative or the, the uh, bell, the, uh, when you think of Israel, you think of the temple. The children of Israel identify with the temple. They identify with God's presence in the temple. And whenever they sin against God, they can repent and God forgives them. If they are invaded and taken away captive, if they repent and pray toward the temple, God will hear and restore them to their land. And at the end of the chapter, I believe Solomon is even saying that in the time in which we are in, Israel would be a nation, and once again, they would have to pray to the temple because Israel is at some point going to be almost completely eliminated from the face of the earth. And we would know that as the war of Antichrist against the Jewish people prior to Armageddon, or, or at Armageddon. But I'll read just a little bit, and then I'm going to talk to you about Donald Trump in this chapter. Because he's in this chapter on the day that Solomon dedicated the temple. And I'm going to go quickly. I don't want to read the whole, I want to give you the idea. Solomon assembles the elders of Israel, all the tribes, the chiefs the fathers of the fathers' houses, all of the Israelites. All of them, the whole family. Today, God is speaking just like Solomon spoke to Israel as a people on that day. God is speaking to all his children in this country today. God is to all the assemblies. God has something to say. The elders come. The priests take up the ark. They bring up the ark, the tent of meeting, the holy vessels that are in the tent. They take everything that was in the tent and they bring it to the building. Solomon and the congregation uh, that had assembled before him were there with Solomon standing before the ark. Again, the priests bring the ark of the covenant to its place in the holy of holies of the house under the wings of the cherubim. 
There's nothing in the ark except the two tables of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb, the, uh, the uh, Ten Commandments. The priests, and, and when they came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the Lord's house. And the priests couldn't stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Solomon said that the Lord said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have surely built you a house of habitation, a settled place for you to dwell in forever. He's speaking to the Lord. The king turns his face about and blesses all the assembly of Israel, and all the assembly of Israel stood. And Solomon blesses the Lord, the God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to David my father, and was with his hand, with his hand fulfilled it. So David swore that he would build a house for the Lord to dwell in. But in verse 19, Solomon says yet about his father, Yet you shall not build the house, but your son, who shall be born to you, shall build it to my name, to my activity, to my present person. The Lord was, has fulfilled his promise which he had made. I have risen up in the place of David my father and sit on the throne of Israel. The Lord promised and I have built a house for his name, for, of the, Lord, for, uh, for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And he said in verse 23, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above on the earth beneath. You keep covenant showing mercy and loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. In this country, in the churches, there are these individuals that walk before the Lord with all their heart. Then there are those within the assemblies who God is, oh, distant. God is... Um, He's just not really the center of their of their world, of their lives. He verse twenty four, you kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You spoke with your mouth, and you have filled with it with your hand to this day. Therefore, O Lord the God of Israel, keep with your servant David, my father, what you promised him when you said there shall not fail you a man before me to sit on the throne of Israel, if only your children take heed to their way that they walk before me as you have done. So this is walking before the Lord. Verse 27, God will indeed dwell with men on the earth. Will he? Yes. Behold, the heavens and the heavens of heavens in its most extent compass cannot contain you, how much less this house which I have built. Solomon was building, dedicating a temple. Christ came and he made the man, man himself, mankind, became the temple in which God could dwell. We believers, our physical body is the temple in which the Holy Spirit resides. 
This temple with mankind is mobile. This temple, mankind, the, the men that have received Christ are mobile, and they are on every nation, in every continent, in every society, whereas the temple that Solomon built was stationary, and it was filled with the Shekinah glory. But we have, who have believed into Christ, we are sons of God, the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory is in us, and we are mobile. We are able to take all that God is to the world because He is in us. So the Shekinah glory, wherever we are, the Shekinah glory is with us, is in us. And there's a difference between the temple that is stationary, built with stone, and we, the temple of God, who are flesh, and that the God dwells within our spirit. Verse 31, Whenever a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath and comes and swears the oath before your altar in this house, then hear in heaven and do and judge your servants, condemning the wicked by bringing his guilt upon his own head, justifying the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness, his uprightness, his right standing with God. So this is a personal matter. Sol uh, Solomon is saying, collectively, we are a people, but individually, we swear oaths, and we're responsible for what we speak, what we swear. When your people Israel are struck down before the enemy because they have sinned against you, and they turn against again, if they turn again to you, if they confess your name and pray, beseeching you in this house, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel, and return them to the land you gave to their fathers. So he's saying that they're going to be out of the land because of their sin, but return their land to them. And this has been the case with the children of Israel. They're in their land, they're out of their land. They're in their land, they're out of their land. And they were out of their land for 2,000 years, roughly, until May of 1948. May 1948, I think it was the 15th of May, 14th or 15th, Israel once again became a nation and the children of Israel were in their land. And the Christian churches that knew the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning Israel, when they saw the rebirth of Israel as a nation, they knew prophecy was being fulfilled. And they knew that this was an indicator that we are at the end of the world. We are near the time when Christ must return. And there's still that thought. And the fact is that Christ must now return because the children of Israel are in the land. When the heaven is shut up and, there no, and no rain falls because they have sinned against you, 
if they pray in or toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk. Give them rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. So there will be punishments for their unfaithfulness. There will be punishments for their sin. There are always, even with the, even, even with the Christian people, with the born-again people, there is always punishment for the sin. There has to be a repentance. And fortunately with us, with the repentance, there is the forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. At the end of the chapter, it talks about the numbers of sheep and the animals that are sacrificed to cover the sin of the people. And what it is saying at the end of the chapter is that there is sin is so great, there are not enough oxen, sheep, to wash away the sins of just the people of Israel. So what about the sins of the people of the world? Well, this takes... The, the sacrifice of the Son of God and He who will wash away the sins of the world. Only He can wash away the sins of the whole world. They sacrificed 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep just to take away the sins of the people on that day. Well, Look at what Christ did on the cross. He took away the sins of mankind from that time to this time. We're going to go to the top of the hour. Podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. And every Sunday, 9 to noon, please tell your friends. In the second hour now, I'm going to discuss with you the great prophecy, a great prophecy of our time that, is, that has been fulfilled and is about to finish the, 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 we'll be back. Our Western Saddle and Tack Shop, and we carry all the tried and true cowboy and equine brands in the industry. We carry brands such as McCall, Martin, and Billy Cook. We also carry a variety of horse tack items like saddle pads, head stalls, and much more. Visit our website to check out our whole catalog or visit us in store, 303-772-7821. Again, 303-772-7821. Trees make you feel good, so don't miss the Tree Farms Array of Tree Sale. Now through July 18th, save up to 35% on thousands of evergreen trees in all sizes. Choose from arborvitae, upright juniper, Austrian pine, Bosnian pine, bugle pine, scotch pine, limber pine, blue spruce, Serbian spruce, and more. The Array of Tree Sale. Come you take see. I-25 to exit 235, then five miles west to the tree farm. 
folks. As a CBD user, I can attest to its effectiveness. And now my kind CBD products are available at the station. You'll see tinctures, salves, lotions, creams, coffee, cocoa, tea, and much more. You'll even find CBD retinol cream. KHNC also carries my kind pet products, including shampoo and tincture, allowing your best friend to enjoy the same benefits of CBD that you do. The best price is the best quality and all THC free. My kind CBD, CBD as nature intended it. Are you prepared for a power outage? Never be left in the dark again. Wagner Electric has proudly partnered with Generac to provide long-lasting generators for your home. We have standalone and portable generators in stock now. So give us a call for a free estimate at 970-800-3693. If you are constructing or upgrading your home, trust our expert electricians to take care of your home the first time. We offer services for anything from wiring an unfinished basement to wiring a newly built pole barn. Your electrical system is the heartbeat of your home. So don't risk it and give us a call today to get started at 970-800-3693 or visit us at wagnerelectricco.com. We are located off Highway 85 in Greeley at 1517 2nd Avenue. Wagner Electric sets the standard. conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. Edward Bernays, Propaganda, 1928. How much is our government hiding from us? What's the truth about COVID-19? Are climate engineering operations robbing our rain? If you want answers, tune into the commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour, Sundays at 1 p.m. on KHNC 1360 AM. Hey, this is Rod from PCs and Parts in Loveland. We're your local computer and parts repair store. We have been in business for over 18 years, and we have been fixing computers and love doing that. If you're having anything with technical-related issues, come by and see us. To reach us, call us at 970-203-0696 or go to our website at PCsandparts.com. We'd love to talk to you about your particular problems. Hi, this is Sam Cheshire from Build Design America, letting you know that right now we are offering 36 months interest-free financing on all of your kitchen and bath or flooring needs. Come see us at 665 Furnage Road in Longmont, Colorado, or give us a call at 303-772-1202. Once again, that's 303-772-1202. Look forward to seeing you soon. The views and opinions expressed on KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Excursion Broadcasting Network. On August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground smelling sweet. Out of town and the sound of that good gospel beat. Sits a ragged tent where there ain't 
And welcome back to the next second hour of today's Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. Welcome back to today's second hour of the Present Truth Program. Sorry, I wanted to mute that music and didn't get to it in time. So, in the first hour... There are going to be changes with God's children in the churches in America. The uh, God is arranging situations for all of us to test us, to test our beliefs, to test our Christianity. It's what God does. And um, there's nothing we can do to to stop God when He decides to change things in our lives to take us a different direction. We have to be we have to yield. But our faith is what's going to be tested above all things. God will test our faith. And um, I have been reading out of 1 Kings 8, the dedication of the temple by King Solomon. And in that chapter, it, there, it, Solomon is presenting to the children of Israel their sins what happens if they're faithful to God? What happens if they're unfaithful? They'll be uh, evicted from their land and reinstated, evicted. The rain won't come. The uh, natural patterns of weather will change. But when they repent, God will restore the rains to their land. And like I stated in the first hour, There is a prophecy to the children of Israel about their future, and there's also a prophecy about Donald Trump. And I left at verse 38, and I'm going to go to verse 39, 40, 41, and 42. Donald Trump. Things have changed in this country. And the Christian people don't know it. There is a great prophecy that was set in motion and that prophecy is about to conclude. The finish, the time of its end has come. And that is Donald Trump. There is a prophecy about him specifically in the Old Testament. And yes, People liken him to King Cyrus. But Solomon is a little more precise. In 1 Kings chapter 8. There's a prophecy in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, about Donald Trump. In Revelation chapter 17, in the riddle of seven kings. Donald Trump being the seventh king. 
And for four years, I've been talking about this, and I'm, I know that uh, people are, uh, they've, they've listened, they're thinking, could it be possible? Probably not. But the prophecy is being fulfilled and is soon to be finished. God is speaking to the evangelical churches in America. All the prophecies are directed to us and are in our hands to be understood. The children of the world, God doesn't put sacred things in their hands. The sacred things, prophecies, fulfillment of prophecies, are in the hands of God's people. There is order. There's God's ways. He doesn't need to use the world. He has decided to use Israel, and he has decided now to use his church to speak to the world. Verse 39. I'm going to begin with 38. First Kings 8, 38. Whatever prayer or supplication is made by any or all of your people Israel, each man knowing the affliction of his own heart. We all have something in our heart that is an affliction. It's called sin. And spreading forth his hands toward this house and its pledge of your presence. Verse 39. Then here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart you know, for you and you only know the hearts of all the children of men. So yes, God does and can and will punish a family like the family of believers in America, in the evangelical churches. I have to include all the other mainstream media churches, all seven churches, because in all seven churches, you have a great body of believers, each with its own different personalities. But also Solomon says that every man in his own heart. So it's collective on one hand, but it is personal, individual on the other hand. Verse 40 that they may fear and revere you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. Now, all of a sudden, Solomon goes from addressing the children of Israel, the temple, their land, who they are as a people, and he just out of nowhere, he stops and he gives a prophecy. I think this was I think this was a 3800 years 3600 years ago that Solomon gave this prophecy. It was a prophecy for our time. In this whole chapter Solomon never talks about the Messiah. He talks about the children of Israel being the children of God the family of God, 
But he doesn't talk about a Messiah. He talks about sins being forgiven through the sacrificing of animals. Verse 41. Moreover, concerning a stranger who is not of your people, Israel. Now he switches to a person who is not Hebrew. He's not Jewish. He's not of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. He's prophesying from that time to America in, the, in our time. 2016, 2017. Concerning a stranger who is not of your people Israel, but comes from a far country for the sake of your name. Now he's talking to, to God. For the sake of your name and your active presence. So Solomon is really speaking to the Lord. He's in a sense praying to the Lord. Lord, concerning a stranger who's not of your people, Israel, but comes from a far country, for the sake of your name and your active presence. For they will hear of your great name, your revelation of who you are. They will hear of your strong hand and outstretched arm. When he, the stranger, shall pray in or toward this house, the temple. Verse 43, strange. It's strange what he's going to say here. He says, Lord, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger asks of you. He's praying for the stranger who is coming 23, 2600 years into the future. 2600 plus. Hear and do according to all that the stranger asks of you, so that the people of the earth may know your name. Now, he doesn't talk about the people of Israel only, he's talking about the people of the earth that they may know your name and the revelation of your presence, who you are, and fear and revere you as do your people Israel and may know and comprehend that this house which I have built is called by your name and contains the token of your presence. So the stranger, he will come and he will confirm this temple that the, the, your people pray to, he concurs, he agrees, he confirms, and he recognizes this temple is the basically the temple that at one time held the Shekinah glory. It is the center of the religion of uh, uh, of uh, the Israel's uh, of the uh, Jewish religion 
This is very strange he would say this. So now, I'm going to read. If I can find my article, which was just right here. I'm going to read to you about the stranger. The stranger is Donald J. Trump. Now it says here again in verse 41, a stranger who is not of your people but comes from a far country, a far country. Why? Because he is the king of the far country. Or in our modern terminology, he is the president of a far country. Now, the day before, the two days before he comes to Israel to pray to the temple, this stranger in God's plan has other duties. One of the duties is to pray toward the temple. But this stranger coming from a far land, the United States of America, he leaves America on Saturday, May 20th, 2017. And he leaves America on Air Force One. And he flies across the ocean and he lands in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia on Saturday, the 20th of May. And there he meets with the Saudi Arabian leaders who have gathered to host a conference and I can't remember the name of the King Solomon. King Solomon has invited Solomon has invited Donald Trump to come and speak to the representatives of the Arab people, of the nations that surround Israel, and the, the men who are rulers over the Arab people. I think there were fifty plus. And Solomon not only invites Donald Trump, but he invites the whole family in the Middle East to come to this gathering in his tent, this marvelous, fantastic, beautiful, gold-plated, everything tent, which is a massive, I don't know what you want to call it, conference center. The royalties, the people that were there representing all of the Arab world, now, this goes back to Ishmael. When the Lord had Abraham take Ishmael and his mother and separate them from Sarah and the rest of the family. And God told Hagar that your son will be a prince and he will be a great prince and there will be families that come out of his lineage. Well, 
the families of Ishmael were all in that conference building. And all of the representatives of the children of Esau, they were all represented there. Why? Because Donald Trump is a born-again believer. He is a civil servant. But according to King Solomon, he carries the presence of God. Why? Because God is living inside of him. For your active presence... A stranger who is not of your people, Israel, but comes from a far country for the sake of your name and your active presence. Christ in Donald Trump. Solomon knew something different about this stranger. And he knew this stranger was going to accomplish something for Israel but maybe not only Israel, but for the Arab people and for the people of the world. God causes things to develop with current events. We, believers, we are the ones who have the spiritual eyes to see deep into the plan of God. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us spiritual eyes. Solomon says he comes from a far country, the United States of America, for the sake of your name. For the name of the, of the God of Israel, a stranger? Why would a stranger come on behalf of the name of the God of Israel? Because he has the God of Israel living inside of him and your active presence. The King James isn't mixing words here. And in the Amplified, it takes the King James and gives even a deeper understanding. But if you go to the King James, you'll find it's saying the exact same thing. So Donald Trump is standing now. He flies to Riyadh. And all of the sons of Ishmael, all the dukes, all the princes of Ishmael, a great family gathers together. And it's only within the last hundred years that these families of nomads and sheep herders become great. The fulfillment of prophecy the Lord told Hagar that your son will be great. And here, the sons of Ishmael are a great, great people. This is why China, Russia, and America are presently working with the Arab nations because they're really vital in an international plan through their wealth, through their oil. And here Donald Trump, 
is invited and he's treated like royalty. When he lands, literally a red carpet goes right out onto the tarmac to the ladder, to the stairs that come down from Air Force One. This king, Donald Trump, this president, is treated like royalty. He is treated with honor, with dignity. He is respected to the uttermost, beyond what you can imagine. And here in his own country, he's treated like dirt, unimportant, insignificant, unwanted. But God sees it from a different perspective. And the Christian people in this land that don't understand what I'm presenting to you, that are speaking in absolute negative, just negatively, in every way about this president, they don't see it from God's view. This is a president that was put in position by God, and God's people should see that, and when they do see it, they will just say, God will be God. We may not understand why this, why that, but if he is God's choice to be king or president of the United States of America for God's plan, for God's purpose, then just like with Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar said God will put men, establish them, and he will take them out. He will remove them because he's God. And this king... This Donald Trump, he is very soon, his duties to God are going to be finished. His duties will be fulfilled. He'll have nothing more to do. We are all given responsibilities. And once we carry out those responsibilities, our work is finished. Donald Trump's work is going to be concluded here very shortly. This is why the American people and the Christian people should pay attention to God and what God is doing with him and the prophecies in the Bible about him. The very next day, he goes into this tent, this palace. You'd have to go to the YouTube and watch it, you will be awestruck. The way that he is treated with such dignity. He's going to a Muslim world. And here, all of the Muslim representatives, the Arab leaders, the princes of Ishmael, and the children of Esau, and the kings of the Middle East, are all gathered. And they come to hear what he has to say. The way he was treated with such respect. <laughs> the other presidents, they go, you never see, ever see the type of, uh, of the way that this conference was held. And you don't have these all these other 
nations coming. No, the presidents will go to see King Solomon or, or the King Hussein of Jordan or whoever, but not in this way. The next day, he gets up and he tells them, he says, basically he says, and I, I heard the whole speech, and this was to the Muslim leaders. He says, deny sanctuary for terrorists. Don't, pre don't finance, prevent financing of terrorism. And he says, if I catch you, you nations, if I catch you financing terrorism, you American finances will be cut off. He said, confront the crisis of Islamic ex extremism and the Islamic terror groups it ex inspires. He's talking about not the Muslims. He's talking about the extremism within Islam. And you could have heard a pin drop on the carpet. This was so unbelievable for this man to tell these Arab leaders, your sponsoring and uh, you, you help terrorism you help these extremists it will destroy you it will destroy your children it will destroy your countries don't fund it if I catch you funding it I will cut off finances and ties with you who is this man to tell them and look what it did from 2017, look at the great blessing that came upon the Arab nations. The Arab, Arabs, the leaders of the Arab nations, they can see it because they experienced it. He says, stand together against the murder of innocent Muslims, the oppression of women, the persecution of Jews, the slaughter of Christians. Most of you have never even heard this. Promote the aspirations and dreams of all citizens who seek a better life, including women, children, and followers of all faiths. And practice tolerance and respect for each other once again. It was a magnificent speech. I would advise you to go to Donald Trump's first foreign trip, the first leg, visiting King Solomon in Saudi Arabia with all of the dukes of Ishmael. Don't think that God doesn't love the Muslim people, the Arab people. He does. Firstly, he sends a representative from his churches, though it was it was a civil responsibility, he is taking the presence of Almighty God to the Arab peoples, to the children of Ishmael and this and the dukes of Esau, to all those peoples, to the Muslim faith. He's taking the presence of Almighty God with him into their home into their world 
This is the great love that God has for the people of the Arab nations. And even with the coming war in Iran, Iran is going to be completely destroyed, destroyed at the Gog-Magog War. But about 20, 2007, I did a program in Las Vegas on the radio program there. And I found the verses. There will be one area of Iran where God is going to protect the Muslim people. He's going to keep them and protect them because he's going to have an inheritance of Arab people in the Millennium Kingdom. He, these families were allowed by him. Abraham had a wife that was from the daughters of Shem, a wife that was from a daughter of Ham, and a wife from the daughters of Japheth. People don't realize that. Hagar was an Egyptian from the children of Ham. Sarah was from the lineages uh, from Ham of Shem. And then I forgot her name, uh, Batura. Um, what was her name? The last wife that Abraham had after Sarah died. She was from the lineage of Japheth. God has an inheritance with all the peoples of the world. They are his. He created them diverse for himself. And Donald Trump, God must visit them. And God sent his representative, Donald J. Trump, to the children of Ham, to the children of in the Arab nations. He flies in. The stranger flies in on Air Force One, that magnificent plane. Donald Trump made Air, Air Force One magnificent. Then, Donald Trump is there for two days. Then on the 22nd, Donald Trump takes Air Force One and he leaves Riyadh and he flies directly to Israel to fulfill King Solomon's prophecy. So on the Monday the 22nd, he flies to Israel. He, does, he discusses the anti-Iran anti coalition. He becomes the first U.S. president to visit the Western Wall. Other presidents had the opportunity, but prophecy must be fulfilled. Now, in King Solomon's prophecy, King Solomon says he will come and pray toward, toward the wall. King Solomon was standing right in front of the temple, on the temple grounds. But he said the stranger will come and pray toward it. Not at the location, not where Solomon was dedicating that, that uh, area, but at a distance. And Donald Trump goes to the Western Wall 
fulfilling prophecy, he prays toward the temple. He doesn't pray at the temple mount he, or at the temple, on the temple grounds. He prays toward the temple. Fulfilling prophecy. And then he takes a little piece of paper. He put a note inside the wall in one of the cracks. And I don't know, people are nosy. But whoever went, somebody went and got the little piece of paper. And what you would do with Jewish people put a prayer request. They write it on the paper and put it in the wall. Donald Trump's request was for wisdom. Simple wisdom. Exactly what Solomon would pray for. Lord, give me wisdom to rule this great and mighty people. And Donald Trump puts on their Lord, give me wisdom. What wisdom this man would have to have knowing what was going to happen in the, in the months following, in the years following to this very day. Wisdom. Don't argue with God's plan. You don't know everything. You're those who want to criticize Wait and see what God's plan was, lest you actually are uh, fighting God himself. You don't know what all God is doing with Donald Trump to this very day. He's still the president of this country. The Constitution, you believe in the Constitution? Then the Constitution says he's still the president. So he goes to Israel... He prays to the temple, toward the temple. Now, the deeper meaning is now the God of Israel who is living inside of Donald Trump as the Holy Spirit. He goes to the sons and meets with all of the 12 children of Jacob. All 12 children of Jacob were represented that day at Donald Trump's visit. It wasn't the big, magnificent tent that Prince Solomon allowed or, or uh, gave op opportunity to Donald Trump. It wasn't that great tent. It was just a simple building. But there, God had representatives from all of the 12 tribes of Israel because God will always visit his people and he wanted to visit his people that day through a man who was a Christian a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Solomon prayed when he comes and here he was. He's standing there at the temple, uh, at the wall. And here he puts a prayer request. And he comes to Israel in verse 41 of First Kings 8. 
who is not of your people, but comes from a far country for the sake of your name. The sake of your name is who he is. As if he were there. As if God himself had come through the, through the stranger. And the people of the world are going to hear of your great name. Every time Donald Trump would finish a conversation or, or after he would uh, make, address the people, he would always ask God's blessing upon them. Always. He was doing the responsibility of a priest. Blessing the people. And God bless you. God bless America. God gave him America as the land to oversee for a period of time. His duties was to oversee and protect the people of this nation. Not only this nation, but the people of this world from this nation. That's why there was no war during Donald Trump's administration. We didn't invade We see bits and pieces. Only the scripture can present the whole scene, give us a clear view. They're going to hear of your great name, your strong hand, your outstretched arm, when he shall pray in or toward this house. All the world is watching. And another insight, it just so happened that the king of Israel at the time when the stranger came was Benjamin Netanyahu. God wasn't going to let Donald Trump come when anybody else was king of Israel. Why? Because Benjamin Netanyahu, as much as Donald Trump loves his land, Netanyahu loves his people and his land also. And so God made it, arranged it, so that Trump would come during Netanyahu's time as prime minister for the third time, I believe. This is significant. And there was much done at that time with Netanyahu for the children of Israel, because Donald Trump was president, Israel had great favor with America through Donald Trump. And then Netanyahu, the next day, Trump goes to the Holocaust Museum and he visits and uh, did a, a small speech about, I forget what the speech, how it went, but uh, just talked about the tragedy of the Holocaust. Then that same day, he went to visit, later in that day, on the 23rd of May, he visited with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, who's still alive today, but he didn't promise them anything. Why? Why? Because 
there cannot be any promises made to uh, the uh, Palestinian people as far as a homeland and Trump knows and all the other presidents know that they can't and they, they're not allowed to promise a homeland to the Arab people because the homeland that they're in as visitors, as citizens of Israel, they're just citizens. It's not their homeland, which is going to be made more clear in the future. And they're being, the Palestinian people are being used by other Palestinian people. They're nothing more than pawns, which most people know about, but not everybody. So that the speech at the, at the museum, he offered condolences to the victims of the terror attack, attacked, uh, which there was another terrorist attack in Manchester, England, that killed 22 people. Then Donald Trump leaves there and um, he goes now to visit with Pope Francis. What's significant about this is this. The Catholic people internationally, they don't necessarily pay any attention. They don't follow the news as to where the American president is going. But if the Pope is going to Italy, if the, or if the Pope is going to go to Africa, or to South America, they pay attention to that. They never pay attention to where the American president is going. But now when it is announced that Donald Trump is going to meet with Pope Francis... All the Catholic world internationally, they consider Pope Francis to be of a higher, in a higher position with God than with the President of the United States. But again, from our perspective, we see that Christ has decided to take the evangelical Christian to meet with the Pope. And this evangelical Christian is the President of the United States of America. And all of the Catholic people internationally, they pay attention to this. The Catholic Church is a religion. It is a system the Catholic Church has its own ways of worship that are not necessarily biblical. And Pope Francis is a globalist. Pope Francis is not even recognized by many Catholics as being the official vicar of Rome. But God wants to go and visit through Pope Francis. He wants the Catholic people, and he wants we believers, he wants the evangelical Christians to remember 
that many millions of Catholics are not born again. It's a great deception because you're born to parents who are Catholics. It is assumed that you are also a Christian. And we know that because of Martin Luther, you can only become a Christian through justification by faith. The Catholics emphasize works, and your works get you to God, and your works give you favor with God. Whereas for eternal life, you must believe in Jesus Christ by faith, justification by faith. And here Donald Trump is visiting the Catholic people and representing, Christ is representing himself through an evangelical Christian to Pope Francis, who many bishops, cardinals in Catholicism do not recognize Francis as even being a true Christian. He's just political. He's just a political uh, they don't recognize him as being Pope. He's just a p political figure. He's a religious figure. But God visits, Eve, visits po the, the Pope in the Vatican and uh, everybody's watching. Many Catholic people before I met Christ I believe God was real. I believe Jesus was the Son of God. I believed in eternity. I believed everything the Catholic Church teaches. Sin. I believed it all. But I wasn't born again. I was religious in my mind. I knew what I was to do because I was trained from the time I was a young boy to go to confession, to go to communion, but I wasn't born again. But I knew God was real, but he was at a distance. It wasn't until the night that I was born again that I realized that Christ was not outside, he could be inside. And I was born again, and the Holy Spirit came in. So Donald Trump, then, from the Vatican, God is going to reach all segments of society, the societies in the world. Then what he does is he goes to, to uh, he meets also with the uh, president of Italy. He meets with him also. Then from there, he goes on the, that was on the 24th. He meets with Pope Francis. Then on the 26th, he's there for two days. He goes to Italy for the G7 meeting. Now he is going to meet with the representatives of these powerful economic nations. And these economic nations are steeped in the occult. 
They are they are they are nations that are globalist. They're directed by people behind the scenes that are in the occult. And that's where he goes. The Lord is going to reach all of mankind, even the heads of all these nations. This was to uh, this was to the G7 meeting. Leaders of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom. And then, uh, because he's rep- God is going to be represented not just to peoples, not just to Israel, not just to the Arab families, not just to the Catholic families, but to the leaders of the nations. And he's going to be represented by the President of the United States, states because Christ also wants to represent himself to the nations. Then after that, where did he go? That was that concluded his trip. So here the stranger comes and he does a full, complete swing of visiting these peoples and then the leaders of the G7 nations. Christ is going to represent himself even to the leaders of the nations. So this is why I say that then Donald Trump wins the election in 2020, but he's not allowed in the White House. He's still the president, but his political term is going to end very soon. And the prophecy of the stranger has already taken place. That prophecy is history now. Then later, Donald Trump goes and declares that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. That was another one of his duties to fulfill prophecy. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And the Arab people and other nations were up in arms, but Donald Trump made that decision. That was the fulfillment of prophecy because the coming new world order at at some point in the future, Jerusalem is going to, to be the center of the new coming occult new world order. It will be in Jerusalem. It will be in Jerusalem the way I understand it that the coming son of perdition, the assassination attempt, will occur, I believe, in Jerusalem. I'm not completely convinced about that. That's uh, something I'm looking into. The assassination attempt could be there. But I I want to be careful. That's what I have been led to believe, and I'm pretty... uh, That's the direction I... That's where I'm at. uh, That's 
what I feel, but I, I just can't prove it. But Jerusalem is going to be the, the uh, house of trembling. And you're going to see Israel is going to be in the, in the news very shortly because of the coming wars that are going to take place there. Cup of trembling. Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling. But Donald Trump finished that tour and he came back to the U.S. Then later on, I think it would be later that year, he would make, he would make the decision and he told Netanyahu that his plans were to put a U.S. embassy in Jerusalem, which he did. And uh, fulfilling prophecy. But now, the next prophecy in the New Testament is the riddle of the seven kings in Revelation chapter 17. So great prophecy of Donald Trump in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Now, if this prophecy is accurate the way I'm presenting, then what this means is America is in the Bible. That America is that land from a far land is the far land that King Solomon was talking about. And at the time Solomon gave the prophecy, that far land did not exist. So at some point that far land had to come into existence, into being. And we know the history of this country. We're going to go to the top of the hour, and we're going to begin the third hour in a few minutes. The podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. This is the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. Please, because this is on podcast, many, many people do not know the prophecy of the stranger in 1 Kings 8. 41, 2, and 3. So, I would ask you, tell your friends, because if I'm, what I'm saying is correct, then uh, it is now, in a sense, not just my vision or in view, but also yours. And we're going to be back in just a few minutes, and we will continue with the second hour. Rick Rodriguez, the president of the Olive Tree Ministry. It is not because men have made laws that life, liberty, and property exist. On the contrary, it is because life, liberty, and property existed beforehand that men made laws in the first place. What then is law? It is the collective organization of the individual right to lawful defense and punishing injustice. Frederick Bastiat, The Law. Power surges and lightning bolts can cause damage to your electronic devices. A EMP attack can fry everything, leaving everyone looking like the Flintstones. But don't let that happen. Go to EMPShield.com and enter KHNC in the promo code box. EMP Shield can keep you secure and running when no one else can. American-made electronic protection. Again, put KHNC in the promo box. EMPShield.com 
Hey friends, Freddie Freeman here. A wise man by the name of Ben Franklin once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So go to 1360KHNC.com and click the Patriot Supply button and make sure you're prepared. With plenty of survival products from emergency survival food, water filtration systems, survival coffee, and more, My Patriot Supply has got the perfect gifts for you. Just click that Patriot Supply button only on 1360KHNC.com. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. in Gilcrest, Colorado. We are a Western Saddle and Tack Shop, and we carry all the tried and true cowboy and equine brands in the industry. We carry brands such as McCall, Martin, and Billy Cook. We also carry a variety of horse tack items like saddle pads, head stalls, and much more. Visit our website to check out our whole catalog or visit us in store, 303-772-7821. Again, 303-772-7821. <laughs> Hey, this is Mike Ramsey, Ramsey Auto Group, and Steve Pardue. 6175 West 10th Street, Greeley is our new address. Phone number is 970-443-5654. We specialize in used trucks and sport utility vehicles, but mainly trucks. We have extended our hours on Saturdays to 10 to 3 and Monday through Friday, 930 to 530, serving the Greeley community and the surrounding areas, but we are really proud to call Greeley our home. 970-443-5654, 6175 West 10th Street in Greeley. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out, 970-776-0258, My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. A lot of radio stations can boast about having two, three, even 500,000 listeners. But what they don't tell you is that their average listener only listens for four minutes. And if they're listening to music, they're constantly changing the channel. Same old boring commentary. Or as soon as a commercial starts playing, they change the station. Here at 1360 KHNC, our listeners listen longer, a lot longer. We have some of the longest continuous listener minutes in the industry. That means our listeners don't change the dial as soon as a commercial starts playing because they don't want to miss one second of their favorite programs. Advertise with AM 1360 KHNC and have your message heard. Call us at 970-587-5003. We have the best rates in Colorado. So call us at 970-587-5003 or 1360KHNC.com. At Life Choices, we are helping women and men choose life and create stable futures for their children. You can help avoid the loss of another life by going to lifechoices.org or call 303-651-2050, extension 116, and donate. Make a difference and be a part of God's work by creating a better future for kids and families. Lifechoices.org or 303-651-2050. 
extension 116. As 1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. The Rev here. Life can deal some crushing blows. Renew, refresh, and restore your spirit. Join us every Sunday as Pastor Keith reveals the joy of knowing God through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We gather at the Old Severance Town Hall at 10 o'clock, located at 4th Avenue and 1st Street in Severance, to hear God's inspiration. Come and be part of our family. We look forward to meeting you. KHNC is proud to carry my kind CBD products. Products include cocoa, top-shelf tinctures, hemp salve, moisturizing lotions, and retinol cream. They also have pet tincture and hemp shampoo for a healthy coat and skin. To see all the CBD products we carry, visit the station at 2 South Parish, or check us out online. Go to 1360KHNC.com. Click on the shop button. The views and opinions expressed on 1360KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the third hour of today's program, the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. Podcasts are on 1360KHNC.com every Sunday, 9 to noon. And my contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. I uh, was going to mention today, it's been four months since I had my accident, and I slipped and fell on black ice, first week in March, 
and I broke six ribs in my front of the chest and three ribs in the back and I broke my femur up high toward in the pelvic area and uh, it's been four months and I want to thank everybody for all your prayers thank you I am uh, walking once again I was uh, in wheelchair for gee over two months they wouldn't allow me to walk and recovering and but I'm doing well my ribs have healed I still have to be careful in walking I don't want to be too aggressive and try to do too much but through everybody's prayers and I do tell you honestly through the prayers of through your prayers I know that I'm 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 where I'm at presently I still have to get my endurance back still working on that little by little um, I'm getting my endurance back and I do walk with the cane and I can't really I don't have the I guess you put it the I guess the uh, RPM that I did have four months ago I can't walk as fast I have to be careful but I am getting around it is a pleasure a great blessing to be able to stand just to stand and it's a great great blessing to be able to actually get from point A to point B I used to have a long point A to point B I could walk for quite a distance I mean I mean all day long now I'm kind of fatigued by the end of the day so I just want to thank you for all of your prayers thank you I can't I can't say it was a a wonderful time but I do t I can say that I thank the Lord he gave me the best surgeon surgeon and the best uh, nurses the best care uh, rehab was fantastic uh, if you want to talk about rehab as being fantastic but I'm doing well thank you again thank you I, I forgot to give you an update I just remembered in the first two hours I've been talking about Donald Trump especially the last hour the podcasts are on 1360khnc.com he's Solomon's stranger in Saul in first Kings chapter 8 verse 41 2 and 3 he fulfilled that prophecy when he King Solomon's prophecy that a stranger will come that a stranger that is not of the children of Israel would come to pray toward the temple Donald Trump fulfilled that prophecy on the 22nd of May 2017 the stranger that came from a far country was the president of the United States of America Donald J Trump the country that he came from was the United States uh, the means of transportation was Air Force One the Big Eagle brought him to Israel brought him to Saudi Arabia initially to talk to the children of Ishmael all of the princes of Ishmael 
and to the representatives of Esau and all of the families and the uh, presidents and rulers of the nations in the Middle East, uh, those who represent Islam. He fulfilled that prophecy, firstly to them. Then the next 22nd of May, he flew to Israel and he prayed toward the temple. On the 24th of May, he went to represent the Christian people, the evangelicals at the Vatican in a meeting with Pope Francis. Then he went to the G7. Then he went to meet actually with the the president of Italy after Pope after the Pope, who is not really the Pope of the Catholic Church. Many Catholics don't know what I'm saying, but if you will study your own church history, if you study your own church, what's happening with the Catholic Church, you'll realize that many cardinals, bishops throughout the, the world do not recognize Pope Francis as the true Pope of Rome. He is a usurper. He's usurped the position through political means, and he doesn't represent God. He represents the global government of the world. But the Catholics don't follow really what happens in the Vatican other than when the Pope goes out and blesses people and goes back home. Catholic Church is uh, the biggest religion, Catholic Christian religion, but many of the Catholics are not even born again. They don't have Christ in them. They only know Christ mentally. Then Donald Trump goes to the G7. He, represent, he goes to visit with the occult rulers of the nations of Canada and England, and I forget the other nations. I could look it up. But he's there visiting with the occult leaders of the nations in the G7. Because God is going to be represented in the world of witchcraft as well as the worlds of religion, the Islamic world, the Arab world, and with Israel. God is going to be represented. He must be represented. And the person to represent him was Donald J. Trump. So, because this prophecy was fulfilled through him, it is no longer um, permissible. I don't know if I want to use that word. The Christian people of America, the evangelical churches, can no longer lay claim to America not being in the Bible. They have stated America is not in the Bible. No. The prophecy in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 41, 2, and 3 prove that America is in the Bible. The stranger has to come from a far country, the United States of America, to fulfill that prophecy. 
Now, the second great prophecy concerning Donald Trump is in Revelation chapter 17. This is a nation in, ver in chapter 17, America is represented also in this chapter. I don't have time to do the whole chapter, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to condense it to chapter to, to verse 17. It's a mystery. The mystery is about verse, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 10. It's a mystery that Christians have scratched their head about forever. But you'll look at it in the context in which I'm going to present it, and it'll be clear. There are seven kings. Five are fallen. One is, the other is not yet come. When he comes, he must continue a short space. The riddle of the seven kings. It's not, it's kings in the King James, but in our terminology, it's the riddle of seven presidents. And the seven presidents are seven presidents of an end-time nation called Babylon the Great, America. The last seven presidents of the United States of America. There will be eight administrations in these verses, in verse 10 and 11. There are eight administrations, but in eight administrations, there are only seven people. I had to really take my time to study this. Eight administrations, but only seven people, seven men, to cover eight administrations. There are seven kings, five are fallen. And the word fallen here, in my understanding, as you study the word fallen in the scriptures, is these five, the these five, the first five, are fallen in the sense that they never meet Christ. They are not believers. Five are fallen, one is. You might say he just left dangling, one is. And the other is not yet come. The other is number seven. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. So for some reason, the short space means he doesn't get a complete time period. And this fits Donald Trump. He did win the 2016 election. He was in the White House for four years. He won the 2020 election, but he has not been allowed to resume his position in the White House, but he must continue a little longer. Just a short space. 
He didn't get the full time. But he must continue. And then verse 11. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goes into perdition. So number eight is of the initial seven. So let's eliminate number seven, Donald Trump. I've heard so many people say that Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Incorrect. He's the seventh king. He's there for a short space, meaning it will conclude. His time will have an end. There will not be an adi anything additional. It must come to a complete end, finished, over. The first five are fallen. Another word for fallen is out of, out of uh, the race, out of contention, not they're, they're finished also. So number eight, being of the seven, can only be number six. A number eight is number six. The eighth administration must be fulfilled, must be finished by the sixth president. I said in the first hour, God is going to shape evangelical Christianity in this country. The Christians are going to be, things will change in their lives because God shakes things. He changes things. We set are set on a pattern, a direction, but God will change that course as he desires for each of us, which is important for us so we can be more productive, we can be more fruitful. And God has the wisdom at the right time to change our world. And if we're seeking him, our world will change. But it will always change for the better. God causes all things to work together for good to those that love him. Always work together for good. The example, I fell four months ago. It changed many things in my life. Many things. And even in the hospital, the Lord began to speak to me and tell me, I've got to take you, I, I must take you another direction. And the direction I was going was wonderful. But he had to take me another direction. Because the new direction he would take me will be much more profitable, much more productive, for his kingdom, it would be something necessary. 
even with the programs from that time to now, I have a sense, a deeper sense, I don't want to know if I want to use the word urgency, but I realize that with every opportunity to be on the radio during the week on The Present Truth or on the weekend, I don't get that opportunity ever again. Every day, we always think this way, but to me, the gravity of everything has changed. I don't get another day. And so I have been... I have... I have Every day to me, my attitude has changed. I'm not coasting. I'm not in neutral. I'm engaged. I am looking. I'm seeking the Lord even more now than before. And I was seeking Him before. But there has been a shift. And there's coming, uh, there's a shift coming to the evangelical churches as a whole and to each member in the body of Christ. There's a shift coming with us individually. I'm saying Donald Trump is a stranger. Because he's the stranger in 1 Kings 8, that means America's in the Bible. That means that we cannot ignore America, American existence in the scripture. Then with Revelation chapter 17, verse 10, the riddle of the seven presidents and eight administrations, we can't ignore this anymore. Let's look at the list. Let's name the presidents. Let's start with the seventh president, Donald Trump. He's number seven. Let's go back one president, Barack Obama. And before him, George Bush Jr. Bill Clinton before him, George Bush Sr., Ronald Reagan, and then Jimmy Carter. That is seven presidents. But of those seven, one individual gets two eight-year terms, roughly. He gets to a second administration of about eight years. And that next administration is coming, and it's not Joe Biden. This is not Joe Biden's administration. This is Donald Trump's administration. The only one that can replace Donald Trump, according to Revelation 17.10, is one of the previous seven or six presidents. It's got to be, it must be, in my view, Barack Obama. This changes things. When God decides to shake his people, he shakes them. He has a right because his objective is to 
further his kingdom. And he's going to further his kingdom. His kingdom in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. The kingdoms of this world are going to be shaken. His kingdom is coming. Meaning his thousand year time of rule and reign. But in the meantime, the reality of that coming kingdom is with us presently through the power of and through the assembly of born-again believers. We are a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. We are a force. We're a significant force in the world. We're like water. We change things. Water is a destructive force. We, as a positive force within mankind, representing the king of heaven, we're heirs. We're heirs of the things of God, of the, the uh, holy things of God's of, of life. So America's in the Bible. These last seven presidents of the United States of, of America. There's one more administration coming. One more. And then America will be finished. And that, that next administration has to have one of the previous seven presidents to run it. This is why I say Donald's political, Donald Trump's political career is almost over. This is of great significance to the Christians in America. This means that Donald Trump is going to re be replaced by Joe, by, not by Joe Biden. Joe Biden is going to be replaced too. But Donald Trump can only be replaced by the eighth person. He is the eighth and is of the seven. I know that uh, for me to even say Barack Obama, well, I have to look at what the scripture says. The first, the first king was Jimmy Carter. That's the order. The seventh king is Donald Trump. The one that replaces Donald Trump can only be Barack Obama. Can we change that? No. Are we going to have to accept it? Yes. Is America in the Bible? Yes. Is Donald Trump going to further his political career? No. Is he going to be successful at this election time? No. We can't change what the scripture says. This is why I say the evangelical churches God is going to shake and he is he has the right to stir things up what can be shaken will be shaken and this time Paul said 2000 years ago and it was being shaken at that time 
what was being shaken at the time at the time when the apostle paul wrote the book of hebrews is that israel was going to be shaken as a nation israel had not yet i don't believe been invaded and the land was going to be shaken the religion was going to be shaken severely to the point of becoming non-existent so Paul was saying God shook during the time of Moses with the children of Israel in the wilderness but Paul was saying but at that at that time he's coming to shake not the earth only but the heavens also and the heavens were shaken back then Israel would soon, soon, shortly cease to exist. Judaism would cease to exist. The priesthood would end. The children of Israel would be massacred at the hands of Rome and scattered. There was a sh uh, the, the heavens were shaken back then. And the Evangelical Christian Churches of America, God is shaking them, already begun the shaking, and He's going to shake the concept and the doctrine through prophecy. Prophecy shakes everything because prophecy is accurate forecasting. You can argue about a tribulation, a pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-tribulation rapture, a multi or a no but you can't change what Revelation chapter 10 I'm sorry Revelation 17 verse 10 says there are seven final presidents mentioned in this chapter not their names specifically but when you break the riddle and you realize the riddle is from talking about a nation, a great kingdom, Babylon, then you can say, okay, if it's America, then you can say these kings are presidents, and these are the final seven presidents. And you can even specifically say there will be eight administrations, but only seven individual men to rule over those, seven, those eight administrations. It seems like I'm hammering this point home. It seems like I just keep hammering it. Because you have to to put things into long-term memory. It generally takes about seven times to hear something before it goes into long-term memory. Very few people hear it the first time and get it. Very few. Maybe, and the example I give is if you're in the military, they give you your weapon, your, your rifle, you have to take it apart and put it back together. You take it apart, clean it, put it back together. And it takes generally about seven times repeatedly before you, you can take it apart comfortably and put it back together. Short-term memory, 
you, you know, you just need to remember something for a day or two or whatever. And you just forget it. This needs to go into long-term memory and you need to see it the way that the Bible is presenting it. It's talking about the United States of America, number one. It's talking about the seven last presidents of the country, the seven final men who are presidents. It's talking about eight administrations. It is talking about powers, ten powers, who are going to give their power to the eight king for one hour to destroy his nation. The eighth king is going to destroy the kingdom or the nation that he over that he rules over. So that means if this is talking about this country, then that means that this country, once he comes to power, roughly has an eight-year lifespan or less. And then that, that country, according to this prophecy, is going to be eliminated from existence. It's going to cease to exist. Eliminated from history. This is why I say, and the Lord is... I had a family reunion yesterday. I didn't have time to study for today. But the Lord gave me a verse. Open your mouth and I'll fill it. And I had put in last week's program to play today. In fact, last week's program is playing presently. But I overrode that program so that I can be here live. I didn't think it was a, a long, we had a long day. I started about 10.30 in the morning, didn't finish till 8 o'clock at night. And I was bent. I uh, pushed it. But I thank God that I had the grace, the strength, and the ability and the way to stay and visit with these family members that I love dearly, that mean everything to me, and it's on my mother's side of the family, and I'm the oldest grandchild. And every one of the cousins are all younger than myself. I have some of my aunts, 90 years old. One of my aunts, my mom's mother's sister, 101 years old. These people, they just don't die. Another uncle, 90 years old. Another aunt. 88 years old, another aunt, 86 years old, another uncle, 90 years old. I mean, these are old people, and they're sharp, they're, they're great, they take their time getting around, but I had to be there. And then cousins and second cousins and third cousins. It was fabulous. It was fantastic. It was marvelous. I had a wonderful time. I couldn't visit with everybody, 
but with the ones that I visited with, it was just great time. But I'm standing for a long period of time, but the Lord gave me the way in which to, the grace to visit with everybody I needed to visit with. So I wasn't planning to do today's program. That's why I had JD. JD told me he'd put in the programs for today. And uh, I had no, at 8 o'clock last night, when we got home about 8, I wasn't planning on getting up to come in. But like I said earlier, this day, I can never recover this day. I can never recover this three hours. I can never go back and wish. This, is, this has to be the attitude of God's children that are going to be that are vital for the kingdom of heaven. One thing I remember, there's F.B. Myers, Englishman, wrote back in the 1800s about Moses and Elijah and Elijah and Isaiah and about the Apostle Paul. And he said, the qualities, the traits biblically that the Apostle Paul had, he was determined. And he was determined to be thorough. That's a lifelong thing right there. But he determined to be thorough. People say, well, you know, he had a strong will. Yes. But his will, he condensed everything in his in his determination to be thorough. That's my att attempt. And I fail. I fail. Every program. Rush Limbaugh. Remember listening to Rush. And as great uh, as great as he was, he made the comment that, well, I went and listened to this program and I wasn't happy with it. And everybody thought it was fantastic. But he was looking from the inside and he knew he could have done better. And that's the way we all should be. We could have done better. But we thank God that he will cause it to work together for good and we do what we can do. We're going to fail. We're only human. We're limited because we're flesh and blood. But I just had this thought. Lord, I don't have an idea. I don't not have a direction. And the Lord said, you need to warn my people. Donald Trump is in the Bible and when he is finished in his political career which I will determine that day I will determine how and when Donald Trump's political career is over he's my servant I will decide and when his political career is over number eight is going to resume and it will be unlawfully. He'll come in illegally, unlawfully. He'll violate the Constitution. But he's going to come. Warn my people. 
I'm going to shake my church. I'm going to shake my people. I'm going to shake what I want to shake, and no one's going to stop me. And I agree. This is what God does. I know the Lord in my lifetime. I've changed direction just at the time in my, as far as uh, I've told, I told a cousin yesterday, I, I was a hod carrier. I was a semi-driver. I had a painting company with my wife and I later on. I did a car upholstery. I used to work at a turkey factory in Longmont. I worked on the oil derricks. I worked for a mine in Wyoming. I drove for Monfort of Colorado to the East Coast. I did all the I've done all these things. But the one thing that I enjoy more than anything is radio because with all my flaws it's there's nothing that I do better with all the mistakes that I make with the uh, there's a term uh, not faux pas the uh, Freudian slips everything it's a thing that I do better than anything I don't compare myself to anybody. I can't. And I don't. I just do what I do. That's all. That's it. And the Lord told me, you tell my people that the seventh king, his time and my plan is about to end. And they don't know who my king is, my, my, this king that I put in place. They laugh at him, they mock him, they hate him. I don't care. I'll deal with my people. But he's my king, and I have a plan with him, and I'll decide what he's going to do, and all, all the mistakes that he may make, that's in my hand. I will use it for my kingdom. What if I want to use him to bring hardship to the world, to the land, to my people. I'm God. If I want to use him to bring hardship because my people won't listen, I'm God. I'll use him in any way I want to use him. But he's my servant. He's my servant. I put him in place. I will, re I will release him from duty when I decide, but not until then. And this, this king has not been released from duty. One of these days, the body of Christ is going to wake up, but it's going to be too late. And for those that have been faithful to pray for him, you, have, you through your prayers, have accomplished God's will through this man. But number eight is coming. And these, this riddle 
is the United States of America, the last seven presidents, eight administrations. The beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goes into perdition. Number eight, we, we know him as the abomination of desolation. Christians, this should put the fear of God in you. And for you Christians who believe that there's going to be a pre-trib rapture, there should really be, you should be uh, a little uneasy because you have put your bottom dollar on a doctrine of demons. I say, this prophet says, you've put your bottom dollar on a doctrine of demons. And the men of this land in positions of authority that are not going to tell you the truth about this country, their shaking is coming too. God is coming to shake them too. Not only shake them, but to shame them. God shakes and God shames. And these men, when they're taken from positions of great authority in high positions and high esteem, when all of a sudden people realize that they have been lying and they haven't been honest, uh, there's no getting, the shame is too great. These men will disappear. These men will not go out to the, they won't go out to, to do any, they'll, they'll have dinner at a drive-in, or at a drive-through restaurant. They won't go and sit down in a restaurant. The shame will be too great. God is going to bring great shame to many and many, many of these people. I could start, I've got a list, I could start naming all the way down the list. Names that you know, names that you hear every day. The shame to these unfaithful pastors is coming. But the glory to the faithful pastors who have been faithful to the vision that God has given them and the revelation that God has given them to present to their congregations, these people, there will be great, great, uh, they'll be, they'll, they'll, these will be the, the people that God will honor. If God honors you, you are honored. To the rest, great shame. So I didn't know what to talk about. I, but the Lord, in a split second, present my servant in 1 Kings 8. It's also in Chronicles. There are two, two accounts. I brought you the account in 1 Kings 8, um, chapter 8, about the verse 41, 2, and 3 about the stranger but also in Revelation chapter 17 verse 10 and 11 about the final presidents of this country 
America's in the Bible. Evangelical churches, we are the church in Laodicea. We are the Laodicean church in the great land of Babylon the Great. And the Old Testament and the way in which it was written didn't have modern names. So we have to look at the world and the scenario and we can see what nation fits. You don't have the name Russia in the Bible in Ezekiel 38 and 39. But you look at the landmass of where the sons of Japheth went, it's in the landmass of in the land of Magog. So we know that Ezekiel 38 and 39 is talking about Russia. And then there's one verse that's clear that talks about China in Jeremiah. I'm trying to remember what uh, chapter. It's, it's sin, Ch like China, but but uh, it's actually pronounced uh, S-I-N, um, Chin, something like that, China. And then America. It's not called America. It's called Babylon. And all the verses that talk about Babylon in the Bible, it's either end time or Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. There's nothing in between. There's ancient Babylon or modern Babylon. Ancient or modern. Ancient, the nation is set in the sea of sand. And the future that sits between bodies of water. God is going to shake the evangelical churches. The churches are going to all have the same revelation here very quickly. All the evangelical Christians will eventually realize this country is in the Bible. And now is the time when God is going to do it. I've been talking about this country since 1980 when the Lord gave me the revelation. No man gave me that revelation. I read something by a fellow Christian and he presented this country as Babylon the Great. I didn't believe it. I fought it. I wouldn't accept it. But because I, the Lord just put it in me to want to know the truth, I began to study. I went to all of these magazines, Time Magazine, Newsweek, News and World Report. I went to every modern journal, monthly and weekly, that I could to read about this country and it took me three months and I was wishy-washy one day I believe it was in the Bible next day no in the Bible next day no and one day the Lord gave me a verse out of James a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said you look at the evidence look at the scripture Look at the evidence. Make a decision. Is it or isn't it? 
And I spent another few days, and I just finally said, Lord, this country is in the Bible. And from that time on, the Lord honored that and began to give me more revelation. I went through the same battle with the pre-trib rapture belief. It is, we are, we will, we will be raptured, we won't. We will, we won't, we will, we won't. That verse, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I'm still unstable. I still, the God still uses that verse on me all the time. You're unstable. Uh, you know, do I want to, what do I feel like today? It's funny how we speak of things like this in, in this country. I feel like Chinese or I feel like, I feel like American. I feel like Chinese. I feel like Mexican. No, I feel like Indian. I, what do you mean feel like Indian, feel like Chinese? What are you talking about? It's, it's funny how we think. And I'll, I'll, I'm hungry, and I can't make a decision. Do I feel like uh, uh, Arby's or uh, Taco Bell? or? And, and I generally get in trouble if I don't eat something healthy. And uh, my wife loves me. And she's vegetarian, She, for the most part. She loves fish, salmon, things of that nature. Me, I like. I like, uh, gee, I like a lot of things, but the things that I like, I, like I told you one time, you know, now I, I, I better just stay with the thought that God is going to shake this country. God is shaking it. We're at the end of the program. Tell your friends Warn your friends, God has given you a revelation. Once you receive that revelation, it's yours. And at that time, God will have you present what he has shown you. Be faithful. And podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. My contact information is, PO Bo- is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872. Longmont, Colorado, 80502. Every Sunday, 9 to noon. I want God to bless you. I want Him to bless you so powerfully. I want Him to open your eyes. I want Him to give you your His Holy Spirit. He promised that. You give good gifts to your children. How much more will He give you His Holy Spirit? May He give you His Holy Spirit this week. God bless you. It is because life, liberty, and property existed beforehand that men made laws in the first place. What then is law? It is the collective organization of the individual right 